So, hi, um, welcome to the next uh, episode of Architecture in the Den. And this time I'm delighted to welcome Simone de Gaulle. Um, hi. Would like to introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Simone de Gaulle. I'm a um, chartered architect and I run a business in Belgravia, London, and I have done for a number of years now. So, watering practice, and we've got projects in London and internationally, uh, master plan projects through to um, architectural, commercial, um, retail, and residential buildings, and then interior design. Awesome. So, um, I was, was kind of reading through your blog and your blog, biog, biography, and um, you, you set up, did you set up straight out of university once you'd qualified? Um, well, actually, I set up just out of, um, once I came out of my part two, and um, that was uh, just at the end of 2009. And the reason why is because that was when the uh, 2009 recession was taking place. Yeah. And um, I'm sure you can remember it. <laughs> and, um, and so none of the companies were hiring for architects or architectural assistants. Actually, they were all um, like going to um, a third of, and reducing their staff by a third so um, I had a few contacts and um, my network were asking me to do some projects for them so I just decided to set up my company then and I set it up as an architectural services company um, because you know you have to be qualified to call yourself an architect and I, I did like my own projects for about a year and I approached the architectural association and said I've done all these projects and um, can I do my part three with you? And they said, yes, they welcomed me straight in. And I did my part three at the AA and um, uh, you know, I became chartered. And then I turned the name of my company into Simone de Gale Architects. That's amazing. So it sounds like, well, we actually set up at a, sim at a similar time because I, I set up in 2010 as Rain's Architecture. Um, I'd been made redundant twice whilst on maternity leave. And wow. um, yeah, and, and then I could, same as you, I couldn't find a, um, a natural job to go into. So ended up having to kind of paid, pave my own um, path. But, but it was fantastic though, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's like a real journey and it really moulds you into the person that you become. Yeah, absolutely. But the thought of doing it straight from um, sort of part twos, I'm just, that is absolutely astounding. I'm so impressed. Well, the, the thing is that I've always felt comfortable on uh, in architecture on building sites and things and my granddad he was an architect in the Caribbean and my dad and my uncles work in construction in London and so I had always been brought up on building sites I felt very comfortable and I was always going to set up my own business as well and I already had contacts uh, and I had potential clients and so the only way I could service those clients was to have a uh, a legally formed company and and it was fine so how what made you decide or at what point did you decide in your life that you were going to run your own business when i was 
when I was very young. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, my, my father sent us to the best schools, you know, we were privately educated and I, I say that I did my first business deal when I was, when I was 10 because I, I um, negotiated my uh, scholarship to secondary school and that was fantastic because I went to one of the best schools in my town and then I was always um, trying to become a business person I, I did hair um, for a little while uh, yeah. and sell it, you know, being a little hairdresser yeah. and other sort of little business things. And then when I started university, I started networking with a lot of people in industry. So I had a good colleague who was a, a building control inspector mm -hmm. and uh, we had conversations and he advised me and I learned from him and um, various other people. And I was always building up a business acumen, uh, uh, how to be a, an entrepreneur. And it was fantastic because when you're a business person, you know, you make mistakes and it's, um, it's all about give and take, push and pull. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I learned those lessons very early on. Mm -hmm. So I was able to make all of those mistakes and you know, push the client too far and or not push them far enough. <laughs> and, and so that when I set up my architectural business, it was very easy for me to get it right the first time. It's having that, um, I love that entrepreneurial streak. I think I remember similar experiences growing up. My, um, my granddad was a builder so I was taken on building sites from when I was five. He built his own house and I remember him like showing me the model, um, the architectural model and um, yes. and kind of like helping with um, building up the reinforcement of the concrete basement with mud pies and things like that. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, it's so much fun. I remember yeah. being at home and like my, my uncle done all the carpentry work in our house mm. and it was absolutely beautiful so we had the, the most exquisite joinery and um, like marble and um, wallpaper was gorgeous because my dad had like really good taste and mm. I just loved every aspect of, of the house and so mm. I, I, I just loved the design process I loved you know the in, interiors and just being in that um, community, I asked my dad when, I think when I was about 17, if I could come and work on the building site with him and yeah, he just said no. <laughs> and I, I, was, I, I wondered why he said no, but I think it's because I was a girl and he just didn't want to see me on a building site. So, so I did the design aspect and so. Yeah, I, th I think it's in I think for both of us having that those role models within our family and being around the design and construction process has really influenced us. Yeah, it has definitely. It's I said when I was about 10 that I was going to be an architect and mm -hmm. my friend said to me, do you know how long that takes? And I just said, well, whatever, that's that's what I'm going to do. And I've always <laughs> just I've just always pursued that career and mm -hmm. so there was never any doubt in my mind no never any other consideration so it's been quite easy because you just 
choose, you know, the right courses the, mm-hmm. and then the networking and then pull it all together. I think it really helps to have that really clear goal of where you want to go to. I mean, definitely I for anybody in business, wouldn't it? Just have it a, would because it is surprising. Well, I shouldn't say surprising, but there's a lot of people who don't know what they want to do mm. in, in, for their career or mm. in life. And they all, it's incredible to look at other people's journey and how they've gotten to certain positions by starting out with other um, directions. So uh, it, for me, it's always been about architecture. It's all been about, about construction. And I've just been able just to multiply, you know, what I had in terms of, my network here, my my business acumen, and then the projects, and it's it's mm. fantastic. I'm really enjoying my career. Mm, mm. And yeah, and, and enjoying the kind of entrepreneurial side of it because yeah, the, yeah, the kind of running an architectural practice isn't just about doing the work. Although you've done some amazing things. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's it's like the when I set up the business, I started everything from scratch. So, mm-hmm. like I designed the logo, and when I first started the business, it was another logo, but then it evolved. But it's still this logo we have today is one that I designed when we changed the company name to Simone de Gale Architects, and I think that was in twenty at the start of 2012 and and then setting up the marketing department I wanted the marketing material to be a certain way so I designed all of that and then handed it over delegated it to Mm. um, you know the person who does marketing for me Mm. and then the same with the sales and uh, I set up the business with four with four departments and the departments are master planning architecture interior design and concepts yeah yeah and even though i had no projects i set up those four departments and then i went out purposely yeah that's a really clear structure uh, yeah i went i went out purposely looking for projects to put in each one of those departments and it's it's just worked so say that again so master planning architecture Architecture. interior design and concepts okay. which the, the name of concepts has changed to innovation yeah yeah, um, yeah and but i've gone out and sourced projects for each one of those departments and i tell you the, the hardest i've got some excellent projects in all of those departments but the hardest one was interior design yeah. like to get into because even though i had a module of interior design as part of my degree it's so competitive out there yeah. and like to compete against other business people who have just done interior design you know yeah. their whole of their career it was so so difficult to yeah. get those first projects because the client would say like, mm, shall I give an interior design project to an architect you know not too sure and uh, that uh, that was like the hardest one to break into at the level that you know I wanted to be at but we, we did it finally. And so now we have interior design, retail projects, you know, high-end interiors um, in places like Knightsbridge and Mayfair and, um, and commercial interiors as well, offices. Mm. So, and so that's a really, really good department. Mm. Mm. That sounds, 
I, I, I love I love that drive again. It's 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 seeing that all laid out and then just going. Don't I'm going to fill that gap. I'm going to fill that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you were talking to a younger architect, I mean, there's going to be quite a few. I think now who's going to be in a similar position to us you know 10 years ago um who are going to struggle to find work um what would you say to an architect who can't find a job job i would i would recommend them to do the same thing that i did and i think a lot of them are mm. and uh, i think it's really interesting because this group that I've set up with my, my colleague, uh, Sarah Collata, it's called Value of an Architect. And it's about how we as architects can really draw out the value of uh, our skills and expertise, what we bring to the table, how we can draw it out and identify each one of those skills and start to use it to generate income, mm -hmm. to for it to be a, a source of revenue for our businesses. Mm. And I, I think about one particular young architect, which I know of, and she was made redundant recently because of the COVID-19 situation. And so what she decided to do, because she had these graphical skills, which she had been producing these graphics for the company she worked for, she decided to start doing like these artists impressions and she started to um, get commissioned to paint um, through the computer uh, yeah. like these these architects mm. I've I've been painted by her and and the RIBA have been promoting her work on through their channels as well so uh, have you what's her name it's uh, Colleen Laurent how do you spell that? C O double L E E N. Yeah. And then Laurent L A U R E N T. And yeah. she was introduced to me by a, a colleague, and he said, "You know, um, this this young architect. I think she's still a, a student architectural assistant. Mm. She had been producing these artworks um, uh, as a means of as a means of utilizing her skills mm. while she was out of work, and it's." like taking off now now other architects are commissioning her and you know so it's fantastic and plus she's promoting her name her brand it's 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 great and that's what we need to do we need to really be entrepreneurial in, in architecture and we need to take understand what we're doing uh, in terms of providing services to our clients mm -hmm. and then identifying the other markets where we have skills and expertise and are making an impact where sometimes our advice might be critical to decision making and yeah. really understand uh, that that is something of a value to yeah. someone. And I mean, it sounds like, so it's almost about identifying an, a niche and kind of working towards that niche. I mean, like you said, you kind of decided to go into four areas, but they're all, again, they're all the, the four niches, aren't they? Yeah. Because we, we work in, um, well, we just do domestic extensions. It's really niched and we're actually at the lower end of the market. So more mass market. Yeah. Um, where architecture's 
just um, the, the, where people are underserved by architects, badly served by architects, and, and yeah. yet there's a, a big need to bring the value of an architect into that market because we can add so much value to to a property you know not just in terms of you know space and light and quality of living but literally value you know yes value it's it, it's it's amazing um and what what we do i don't know if you saw on the um on our website but we we start with concept design workshops yes in on zoom and we're doing them hand-drawn and um sorry i just get get very excited about certain things i did i i draw at one to 50 and i've got a little scale model <laughs> no i love one to 50 yeah one to fit and then i can just take people around my little plans and i can do that <laughs> fantastic but it's all about trying to make people realise the space that they that occupy they're, that they're going to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's great because you want to every time you're with your client, you want them to fully understand the journey, fully understand what they are buying mm. and the benefits that it's going to bring to to them as clients. And I think especially consumer clients who are not familiar with the architectural process, the construction process. It's really, really important to be able to explain that process to them and to be able to guide them through that experience because, you know, we have private clients as well and it's always a pleasure to work with them. Mm. And because you're taking them on a journey where you have a commercial client you know, this is something that they would do on a day-to-day -day basis yeah. and they're very familiar with the process. They're probably more likely coming to you uh, for your ideas and, you know, the, the, your performance. Um, whereas the, the private client, you know, they, they will only invest in their home like once mm -hmm. or twice in a lifetime. So it's a major, major experience for them. Mm -hmm. And... To, so we have to take that like, custodial position when we're working with private clients and guide them through the process. And I think those are the, the very first projects were private clients that I remember my very first project was um, a client and they had a two property home in, in Putney. And so it was a nice home um, and it was the end of terrace and I think they had tried twice to get planning permission, but they didn't get planning permission. And I was introduced to them through a colleague of mine. And when, and obviously I came up with a great idea, which got them, <laughs> which, which got them permission. And, and then when, so once they got the permission mm. and they extended their home, mm. it was in a conservation area, they mm. were then able to start their family. Mm. So that was such a, an enjoyable experience, you know, to know that my input had helped this couple start their family. Oh, I love it. That was wonderful. So it's, it's always, there's always a sentimental aspect 
I think when you're working with private clients and yeah. um, I think at one point I said that we were only going to work with commercial clients mm. but I changed my mind because you know there's, there, there's there's still amazing projects that we can get involved in and amazing people that we can meet and just beautiful designs. Mm, I mean, I, I broke my teeth working for developers um, and, you know, kind of learning how to squeeze every kind of centimetre of space out of a building, um, but also kind of working on heritage buildings. And, um, and then I kind of, I thought, oh, I'm going to go and try and work with um, social housing because I, I wanted to bring those skills into, you know, to try and help as many people as possible. And I thought social housing was the way to do it. But then once I'd started to get a through flow of uh, smaller clients, smaller private clients, I realized there's such a need for architectural input into the kind of lower end of the market, you know, doing those things like getting in an extra bedroom you know so that people can stay in their houses and not have to yeah. kind of mortgage themselves to the hill to move yeah you know, and people <clears throat> often i get clients are like no we need a two-story extension or order to get that fourth bedroom mm. so we can grow the family yeah and i'm like well actually if you do blah 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 you can do it and there you go and it's just it's that it's amazing it is and i think it's it spreads the word about again the value of the architect and how valuable an, an architect is to to consume a client to develop a client you know we, this is just us um reaching more markets and it is really important because especially for the small domestic clients, you know, they're only gonna, as I said, like do this project once or twice in their life. And so to, for an architect to come and not only bring the volume mm. uh, to, to the development, but the, you know, the ideas, the materials, uh, the introduction of light, mm. different space um, saving uh, methods. I think it's wonderful. And it's, it's something that we we need to continue to um, purvey because it's, it's critical that us as architects are recognised for the work that we do, mm. not only at the developer end, but at the ordinary consumer end. Mm -hmm. Well, what's exciting you at the moment in architecture? Um, I think... The What's exciting me is that I, I was re-elected as a council member to the RIBA. And I know you've been a council member before because mm -hmm. we, we served at the same time. Did, yeah. And that is really exciting for me because, it, first of all, to stand again, it was quite nerve-wracking. It was and, really tough. Really and it was tough, tough because there was a lot of competition. Yeah. But, and, 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 was, and it was the two national there was seat. only two seats only yes two. so big rounds of applause there for getting that thank you so much <laughs> and but i worked so hard to yeah. get it and it was i was so nervous because i i 
there was just no way that I could not get the seat. So I just worked really hard and it just like getting that seat just sort of uh, reconfirmed the, the members interest for me to represent them mm-hmm. at the council. And because I had a strong manifesto and I really went for it, you know, I, I, I proclaimed all the things that I wanted to do and it, it was very strong. And I, I didn't know how well it would be received, but it was fantastic because it was received exactly as I wanted it to. And so it just means that I'm in a position now where I can and take ideas from the membership and bring it to council, you know, directly. I'm, I'm really about being open and mm-hmm. understanding what people want, how, how people want to see the RIBA represent them on change and the services and things. And to be the voice of, you know, the membership, I think is fantastic because I will just do, you know, what, what the members want me to do. And so, <laughs> Brilliant. When's the next... Um meeting it's on the the 30th of september is the first meeting the first meeting of this year and have you have you put forward your first motion (laughs) my first motion yeah um i haven't as yet but i'll you know i will um, say something and i think it's just going to be feeding from those from the manifesto from the campaign and from this group that myself and, and Sarah have set up, mm-hmm. this value of the architect group. And we set it up so that architects can come and tell us what they want to see or how the industry should be changing. Because it, it, it needs a real um, change. Uh, the, the, uh, the in architectural industry, mm-hmm. because we, you know, I, I've been, very fortunate obviously focusing on, on my career since I was very young to get these kind of opportunities that I've had to date but um, it's been challenging and you know I've, I've had to be very inte- like intelligent and very uh, like maneuver um, uh, some of the time and I think that we need to uh, just have a stronger voice in mm-hmm. society and we, we need to do so many other things to reposition the architect today and that's really what my focus is going to be that's what it's always been when i even stood the first time at council uh, it was to change this perception that we have and to really um maximize the value of the architect and so now because especially because i've been re-elected it's like now i feel empowered to do that mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next three years and just to see what comes out of that mm. so what specifically do you want to try and achieve um, i think it's, it is it's just the value of the architect you know like the the, the value of the architect and the perception that uh, we have and the position that we have in the construction industry. Mm. I want to empower that position and provide strength to it. And I want to do that through the RIBA, which is an institute which is highly highly regarded and well known, but we, we need to push it further. Mm. Mm. I remember reading sort of the RIBA as one of the kind of world super brands. 
I don't know how old really it was yeah I'm sure I'm sure it, it was maybe it was the UK super brands I'm sure it was like an article about 10 years ago I wonder I wonder where we sit now <laughs> let's see let's see what we can do to to get it right up there and number mm. one you know this is I I remember being a student and you know, having a lot of respect for the RIBA and visiting their headquarters on Portland Place mm. and really enjoying the experience being part of something. Mm. And I, I want the aspiration that I had um, as a student to be the day-to-day the -day, uh, reality uh, as, a, as a chartered architect. I think the attitude changes from my experience from being a student uh, and the relationship with the RIBA to being a chartered architect and your relationship with the RIBA. I think once you're in those two positions, your uh, the perception and perspective changes. And I think it's, it's critical for RIBA as an institute that we are able to retain that aspiration that mm. we once had when we were students. I mean, I think I, I kind of wonder if it goes back to, I think my my grandfather was always very um, sort of impressed by the RIBA and he probably kind of instilled that in me. Does, does any of this come from, from yours? Um, no, because my, my grandfather, he was, an, he was an architect in the Caribbean in Jamaica. So, and uh, when he, when my family came over here in the 60s, unfortunately he passed away um, very early. So oh. I, never, I never actually met my grandfather. But, and my, my father and uncles were in construction, so they weren't like visiting the RIBA or anything. Yeah. But, <laughs> so, but, but when I, I got into ar architecture, that's when I learned about the RIBA. You learned about and, Yeah, and, uh, but I'm that, just that kind of person, you know, it's like quite, uh, quite sentimental. And, uh, you know, so I always like cherished it when I was a, a student. And, um, and, and now that I'm in this council position, it gives me the opportunity to, to shape it and to um, influence yeah. uh, it. And so that's just wonderful. I'm, I'm sure he would have been so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he would have been too. And like, I've got um, quite a number of like boy cousins and, you know, we we're all, there was always like this conversation about who was going to become the architect and it ended up being me. And yes. so, so now, I'm the, now I'm the family architect as well. Oh, and right. uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. So if uh, um, any of our youtube subscribers or um podcast listeners want to um get find out about the value of an architect how how would they um find your group We're, we've got a facebook page and it's a facebook group i should say and it is simply value of an architect group so, so search it on facebook and then just ask yeah yeah that's fine. Brilliant. And I can send you, I can give you a link as well to add Ooh. to the YouTube oh, channel. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yes, that'd be brilliant. Okay, I think we need to wrap up. Um, we've, yeah. Have we mentioned War of Disruption, which was the title of the, the talk at all here? I, I, I kind of, I can feel a roar between you and me. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> 
yeah definitely you know that's uh, my, my work has always been about innovation and entrepreneurship and new ways of doing things and it just feels so good to uh, see that you know play out in reality and yeah I'm, I'm very happy to date with the work that's been done well Good luck with um, the next three years on council. And if there's anything I can help you with, let me know. Definitely. Lisa. <laughs> Thank you so much for your invitation. It's been great speaking to you today. And uh, yeah, look forward to our paths crossing again. Yeah, always. I'm sure we'll meet up very soon. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, thanks everyone for listening. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, I'll put a, a link in the comments and um, we're on Spotify now as a podcast. So if you search for Architects in the Den or Pride Road or Lisa Rains, you'll uh, subscribe to the podcast. So thank you very much, Simone, and um, see you soon. Thank you. See you.